How's everybody doing? Good. Good? All right. Well, so glad to have you all here. We're going to be continuing today on the series that we've been on the last couple of weeks entitled Making Life Investments. Making Life Investments. How many of you know that you're always making investments in your life? You're always doing something with your life. You're always investing it somewhere. You're investing into something, someone, somewhere. It could be relationships, it could be your job, it could be school, it could be friends, it could be habits, it could be the kingdom of God. No matter what it is, we're all, whether it's good or bad, we're all investing into something, always, right? And we should be mindful of these investments because we learned over the last couple of weeks that this is a kingdom principle. It's called sowing and reaping. And what the Bible says is this, do not, uh, do, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For what a man sows, the Bible says, he reaps. Here's the thing about sowing and reaping, that what you sow always comes back to you in a greater measure. No farmer sows an apple seed and expects one apple. He expects multiple, in, 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 in great multitude, uh, the apples in return. And that's the same thing. The same thing is true in our lives about the investments we make, no matter where we're sowing. But there's another reason why we should be mindful of what we sow. Not just because of what we reap, but because there's a greater picture in mind. If you haven't thought about this, everything that we do in this life with Jesus and what his word tells us matters in eternity. It matters in eternity. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. This is literally going to expand the scope of how we view the investments that we make in life. And so Jesus speaking here says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen closely what the scriptures say here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's unpack this uh, opening scripture here this morning. And I want you to really think about what the Bible says. The investments that you make lay up treasure. But there's a difference between the just living life and investing into life just for me, for my time, for my health, for my benefit, for my blessing, for my joy, for my peace, for my home, for my children. You see, see what the problem is there? Everything is my, my, my. And Jesus says this. He says, don't lay up treasures on earth. He says, because all that will rust away. It'll decay. He says, all those things, when the focus is simply on my life and life's temporal perspective, he says, that's where thieves can break in. You can lose that. Things can go wrong there. But then he magnifies it to a greater measure. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And hey, here's the thing, that those treasures matter in eternity what we do with this life and the investments that we make have an eternal perspective 
it's important to interject this topic into the equation at this juncture of the series that we've been on. Because ultimately, everything that we sow has an eternal impact. Do you see that from Scripture? That it matters to God. It matters to the kingdom. Listen, rarely do we see anyone who seeks to reap a return on an investment for a short-term basis. Usually the way that works, it's for a long-term basis. If you invest anything, if you invest into a business, if you invest into the stock market, if you invest into mutual funds, if you're investing into your 401k, your 403b, whatever it is, you're not thinking about today. You're thinking about tomorrow. You're thinking about a greater return for tomorrow. And rarely does anyone sow for today. And the life that we live and what we do with this life should be done with a long-term return perspective. Let me show you from Scripture that that's how God sees it. Let's turn in our Bibles real quick to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, watch this, on the realities of heaven. Can we be honest with ourselves for a moment and just consider this? How many of us live life on a daily basis with heavenly things in mind? How many of us actually approach life this way? When we are, the, what we're sowing into our relationships, what we're sowing into our marriages, what we're sowing into the kingdom of God, what we're sowing into the, the, the places of impact where we've been specifically placed. There are some of you that you are where you are because God put you there. You're in your workplace because God put you there. You're in that marriage because God put you there. You have influence amongst those people because God put you there. And sometimes we approach life in a way where we're just thinking about, oh, I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm. I'm. I'm not feeling good. I'm. You know, when am I going to get a break? And the Bible says that we should be focused on heavenly things. Think of it this way. Wow. What if you looked at your attitude and how you're approaching life from a kingdom perspective? from the eternal impact that it has. Not just in your life, not just for you, not just for you, your four and no more, but for the kingdom in eternity. And so he says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Listen to what the word of God is telling us to do with our thought process. With our mindset, it says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. Watch this. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Wait, 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 wait. I thought I was living a real life. I thought this is really reality. I thought that the issues that I'm undergoing, that that's reality. I thought that what I feel and my emotions and, and what's happening in the world, what the news says, that that's my reality. I thought that what my boss and all these other things that pull at me, that that's reality. The Bible says your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
See, the investments that we make should be with a heavenly and eternal perspective. And I don't know about you, but I can be transparent for myself and simply say this, that there are times, yes, even as a pastor, where I'm just living life day by day, and I don't keep in mind a bigger perspective, a kingdom perspective. You know, I honestly believe that that has a lot to do with the world that we live in today. We live in a I have to have it now kind of world, right? I have to have it now. And there's so many things that we have going on in life that kind of condition us to that. Can I ask you all a question? How many of you got a credit card? You got a credit card. Just wave at me. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to ask you for the numbers. I'm not asking you for your card. We're not taking an offering from your credit card. Don't worry about it. It's all right, right? Credit card. Think about this. Credit cards, they make it so easy to buy things. They make it so easy to have what I want to have right now that we pay twice for it, sometimes even three, four times for it. It always costs us more. Think about this. We live in a world where we have fast food. Fast food. I, I can't say that I grew up in a day where there wasn't a such thing as fast food. They always, as far as, as long as I've been around, McDonald's has always been around. I don't advocate that you go there, but that's your business, right? But think about it. We eat fast food. It's fast, but can we be honest? It comes at a heavy price. Can we be, can we be real honest about that? If that's how we eat, it comes at a heavy price to our health, to our bodies, to our pocket. How about the internet? We, we live in a world today where everything, we have to have this overload of information. We have children today growing up with too much information, too quickly. When we want to know something, we want to know it now. And guess what we do? Google. Right? You Google it, you Yahoo it, whatever it is you do, you Bing it, whatever you do. And, and, and we have to have it so much so now that there used to be a day and age where computers stayed in an office, where computers stayed at home. Well, now we walk around with computers all day long. They call them smartphones. But, you know, if we're not careful, we can become pretty dumb with them. There's an overload of information. And so I feel like we live in a world that uh, we're conditioned to it. And while we live in this world, we have to remain clear on the fact that the kingdom of God is established on a long-term, big-picture perspective, a system that is totally contrary to this world system. The investments that we make should be made in our lives with that perspective in mind. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. This is Jesus speaking. Now, this is just one verse. It's a parable. But it is power-packed with some amazing, immense, invaluable truth to us. It says, The kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And so back in these days, there were no established roads. There were no highways. There were no sidewalks. When you were going from one place to another, it was very common that you could actually walk through somebody's property. It actually was understood that that was part of the day's society. That, that's how things were. And so it wasn't uncommon to find someone walking through someone's property. 
And every now and then you would walk through property who nobody owned. In the Bible here, Jesus describes a man who's walking through a piece of property. And as he's walking, here's what happens. He hears something that sounds kind of hollow. The ground somehow feels a little bit different there. And so the Bible tells us here, Jesus through this parable tells us that this man digs in and he finds a treasure. But here's what he does when he finds it. He looks to the left. He looks to the right. He looks all around. He realizes, I can buy this property. And so watch what the Bible says. He takes all that he owns. He sells it. He collects all his resources, everything, every last piece of bit of whatever's valuable in his life. He takes it all, cashes it all in, and he buys this piece of property. Now, let me point something out to you here from this scripture. Watch what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He's saying the kingdom of heaven, eternity, things that truly matter are like a treasure that we come upon. And maybe you know this and maybe you may not. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that he has placed this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, he's deposited his very nature, his very person, his very kingdom within you. And so here we have this treasure. But watch what this man does in this parable because he now has come upon this treasure. He gives it all up. His perspective became, well, you know, I've got my car, I've got this, I've got... Now, I'm not saying go sell your house. That's not what I'm saying. But what, what Jesus is illustrating here, that what he received, what he found was so valuable that his perspective became focused on a greater thing. He was focused on eternity. That's the point here. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. The perspective changed. And that's important for us to, to, to grasp this morning because eternity is worth investing our lives into. What do I mean by that? It's important. It's necessary. It's worth it to begin to see life from a greater perspective than me. You know, in this series that we've been on, uh, talking about life investments, uh, got a lot of, I've been getting a lot of good feedback about, you know, man, you know, that really ministered to me about relationships, that really ministered to me about, you know, uh, how, how I invest into people and, and all these things that we've covered and, you know, things that to consider the rules for investing and all that over the last couple of weeks, all these things that we've covered. But up until this point, up until before today, that focus can very easily be taken to mean it's about what I do and how it benefits me. And while that's true, and while we're blessed, and while we're prospered, and while we're healed, and while we're forgiven, and while we're loved, and while we have God's grace and all these amazing things, we have to see it beyond this life. We have to see this through the eyes of eternity, through the eyes of eternity. See, God doesn't operate on our timetable. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. 
2 Peter 3.8 says this, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. One thing. You know, I feel like when Peter's talking here that they're focused on many, many things, the audience that he's talking to. And maybe today, maybe you're focused on many, many things. Maybe you're focused on a lot of different things that life is pulling on you. Different responsibilities, different cares, different worries, different things that you got going on. And Peter says, beloved, do not forget this one thing. This one thing that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Peter here was addressing the concerns of the church because they were, they were saying, well, when is Jesus coming back again? When is the second coming happening? Because we're already seeing all these trials. We're already being persecuted. The world is going uh, excuse me, bonkers. Everything's going nuts, what we've heard. When is Jesus coming back? And Peter corrects them because their focus was just on today, right now, how we see things. And Peter says, we don't operate on God's timeline. See, God, eternity, think about this. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ, eternity with life in Christ began for you. Eternity with God in Christ began with you. Now, whether you knew Christ or you didn't, whether you know Christ or you don't, guess what? Either way, eternity's in play. Eternity's already in play. But we just look at life within a 24-hour frame. And the way God operates is completely different. I feel like we approach life like this. This is how it goes. Father, I ask you to please provide for all my needs. Go. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yes, Lord, I thank you that your promises say that you, you, you love me, that you've forgiven me, uh, uh, and that you, you, you've changed me, that you've made me a new creation, and as, as my mind is renewed, I'm transformed, but... My God, you just came to Christ three days ago and you already expect everything to change in your life. You are a brand new creation, but this mind needs to catch up to what that means. And I, isn't it true? How many people grow discouraged with the kingdom of God because it's not functioning on my time frame? My stopwatch. It's like we're timing God. And the, the truth is this that it doesn't work that way. There's a gentleman in the church here, a uh, great guy, him and his family, him and his wife, they, they attend here. They usually come second service. And the um, thing about Lenny is uh, he recently graduated from Caris uh, Bible College. Um, and he's now in the midst of starting a teaching ministry. And he's going to be running a chapter of Caris Bible College in Beacon, New York, to begin with. And so... Uh, I was listening to Lenny's graduation speech online when he graduated that day, and uh, they, they, he, he, was he was giving a speech. He was the kind of like the valedictorian, so to speak. And he says, you know, I've been asked, when did you start Bible college? When did this all begin for you? 
And what he stated was, which so ministered to me, is so blessed me, is he says, I started this process 38 years ago. I was in Oklahoma, and I went to a Bible college, and I thought I knew it all. And then I went through all these religious bumps and all these things. And then I finally came to a place where I began to understand God's word. The thing is this, 38 years before, he knew he was called. He knew it. See, when it comes to the time frame with which we function, we can't put God on our schedule. We've got to function from eternity's standpoint. Does that make sense? Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 says this. It says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. Remember that. That's talking about you and me, that we would have all the endurance and patience that we need. He goes on to say, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you. In other words, he has given you the ability. He's created you for this, to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Can I just put it this way? You and I, we were built for eternity. We were built for eternity. It's great to consider the blessings and the promises of God and how that impacts us here. But you know what the Bible says about that? It says, now we know in part. But then, when we're face to face with him, we'll know all things as we are known, the Bible says. Hey, listen, it gets better. It gets better than now. It gets better than this. And we should take an eternal perspective because our inheritance is not a temporal one. God's glorious power equips us to endure and exercise patience in a temporal world, but for eternal rewards. And so I want to give you three things to consider here in the last couple of minutes that we have here about investments, about making great eternal investments. And the very first one is the most important one. They're all important. But there's such a great emphasis in this. And I want you to turn with me in, to, in your Bibles to Matthew 16, 25 through 28. Matthew 16, 25 through 28. It says, For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then, listen closely, he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The first point that I want to give you is this, that the greatest eternal investment you can make is to invest your life in Christ. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's what I'm doing right here. I'm invested in Christ. 
but we equate that to our attendance to a place that we think is the church. And the church isn't this building. The church leaves here when you leave. And the church comes here when you come. And the church gets on the train when you go to the city. And the church shows up home and cooks dinner. And the church works at your place of employment. And the church is walking out these doors and getting in that car and sitting in a restaurant. And wherever you go, the church goes because you are the church. But guess what that, that also speaks of? That because you are in Christ, Christ goes with you. And so while, yes, we're making a great investment right now, you are making a great investment into your life in Christ, that investment can't begin and end here. That investment has to carry over into every area of your life. And we have to invest ourselves in Christ. Can I tell you something? And I say this proudly, but not pride in myself, but I boast in Christ. I have laid down my life. And many of you know what I'm talking about because you've done the same. Your life revolves around Jesus. The decisions you make revolve around Jesus. How you manage your household revolves around Jesus. How you conduct yourself revolves around your love for Jesus. How you treat others revolves around your love for Jesus. For Jesus. You're invested. You're all in, baby. It's not Jesus plus nothing and it equals everything in your life. You're all in. See, there's no greater investment than life in Christ. To live that way, to live life in Christ, there's no greater investment for us. It is the number one. It should be the ultimate thing. Jesus put it this way. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first. All these other things will be added unto you. If we're not careful, we can easily spend, and I want to put an emphasis on that word spend. We can easily spend our lives. The life that we've been given in Christ. Think about this. The treasure that you've received. We can spend that. Investing them into temporal things. Investing into things that don't hold any eternal weight. Here's the thing about it, that that comes at a heavy expense. It's not worth it. Galatians 6, 8 puts it this way. It says, for he who sows to his flesh, what is the Bible saying there? He who sows to his passions, his desires. He who sows to his own selfish motives. So it says, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption that word corruption there means decay it means ruin it means harm it means destruction and so i'm going to read that because again because i want you to see it from that perspective it says for he who sows to his flesh or he who invests to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life I want you to imagine that you are here today and that what you're hearing is destruction. It's for your ruin. How many of you would come back here? 
You wouldn't, right? If what you were hearing was for your ruin, you wouldn't be here, right? You're smart. How many of you would put yourself in a situation where you know it's of no pers uh, uh, personal benefit? It has no impact upon your life. You wouldn't do it. And if you did, I guarantee you this, I would hope you don't do it again. Why? Because you understand that it's, it, it's not meant for you. In the same way, we should realize that we can't sow into temporal things. We must invest ourselves into our life in Christ. By being here today, you're investing into your life. By studying the word of God, you're investing into eternity. By growing in relationship with other followers of Christ, in Christ, you're investing into eternity, into a life in Christ. By making wise choices according to God's word, you're investing into eternal things, into a life in Christ. By following the Spirit's leading and doing what you know is right, when everything within you says, no, don't do that, I still want to do this, you're investing into a life in Christ. And the beautiful thing about it is that all these things hold an eternal reward. But that reward doesn't start tomorrow. It's active right now in our lives. That's why it's so important to discover. I want to leave you with one more point. I want, I want to try and get one more point in because time's escaping us. Unless you'll allow me an extra five minutes. Would you allow me an extra five minutes? Is that all right? I can, get, I can borrow that from you guys. It's a good investment, right? All right, so here's something else that we can do in light of eternity. We can invest ourselves into someone. Invest ourselves into someone. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus speaking. He's about to leave the earth. His ministry is ending. He says that Jesus came and he spoke to them, the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, that I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Notice what Jesus said to the disciples, and he's saying to us. That word disciples there simply means a learner. It's one who maintains what they've learned on the authority of the one who taught them. That's what that means. It's a student. It's a learner. But it's one that's constantly learning. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, go and be saved. He's talking to a people that already know who the Christ is. And he says, now you go and make disciples. You go and teach them. You go and show them my ways. You go and reveal to them the truth that you, you yourself now know. Listen, I, I, I love the verbiage here because Jesus says, go and Make disciples. Here we are saying, oh God, teach them, Lord. Oh God, help them. And he's saying, go make disciples. You go invest yourself into someone. I'll quickly share this with you. There was a young man in our lives many years ago when we were living in the Bronx. 
This kid was a hot mess. He was straight street, ghetto to the fullest. He spoke with his hands, and then he apologized afterwards. And this kid one day walked into our church. Me and my wife were the youth leaders at the church this at this time, and we were having a Friday night gathering with the with the teens. And in in our church back then, the teens were bigger. They were the biggest part of the congregation. We had like a church of about 70 people and like 40 of them were teenagers. And they were just on fire. They were crazy for Jesus. And they were crazy too. <laughs> they were. Those kids were crazy. Um, but this kid one day walks into church and I thought he came in with all the other kids because he came in with a crowd of kids. And we had service and I didn't get a chance to connect with him and then he left. And I was asking the kids, hey, who's, who's that kid? They came in, I don't know that dude. I'm I don't know him at all. He came back the next Friday, and that time I grabbed him, and I was able to chat with him. He says, you know, every time I walk by, I feel like I should come in. So I just decided I would come in. That night, the second time he came, he accepted Jesus into his life. He accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean that he still wasn't a wreck. This kid was temperamental. Uh, he was hot-headed. He was quick with his mouth, um, and he was street. Um, he didn't take anything from anyone. But we started investing into this young man. We lived across the street at that time from where the church was. So there were times when at 11, 12 o'clock at night, he would be, Yo, Jose! Annette! Yo, it's Jay! Everybody else is sleeping. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. And he'd be with other kids. And they'd come up, and we'd sit down in our living room. Many Fridays, we gave up when, when, when it was our movie night. It was our blockbuster movie night. And we would watch movies on those nights, and they would come, and we would have a bunch of kids all in our little three-bedroom apartment in our little uh, uh, living room area. And we would all be crowded there, eating popcorn, watching movies, talking till 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. We even sold our car. Man, I had a racing car, and I sold it for a van. You know why? Because we started making an investment into this one kid and other kids started coming and we said we need more room so that we can take these kids with us and continue to invest into their lives. Today that young man is a leader in his church. He's active. That's Jay right there throwing the fingers up. He's a father a husband, that's his baby daughter, that's his wife, and he's a youth leader in his church. Working with teenagers, pouring the word of God into them. Listen, investing yourself into someone not only teaches them about Jesus, it instills a love for Jesus and a love for others. That's how we change this world. One person at a time. And so I ask you this question. I'm going to close out here. I ask you this question. Who are you investing yourself into? Who are you investing yourself into? When you go back to school, who are you investing yourself into? When you go back to work, when you go back to your home, when you go back to your community, wherever you go, because yes, we, we as a ministry, this is home base Newburgh, but listen, this is practice for when you go home. Wherever you go, wherever you live, wherever life takes you,
Who are you going to invest yourself into? Because when you invest yourself into someone, you invest the Christ within you. That's an eternal perspective. It matters in eternity. When you can introduce someone to Jesus and you can disciple them, that matters in eternity. This person was once dead and because of the Christ that they met in you, they now are alive forever. It matters. Investments, life investments, we should be making them. But we should be seeing it from a greater perspective. Eternity.